leftovers, or the DMV, or house cleaning, or Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. We're prohibited by law. T plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. From the era that brought you names like Chamberlain, Russell, and West. The Chamberlain, he's got it! Jerry West made it from the other side of the midcourt strike! To the glory days of Magic and Kareem. Abdul-Jabbar is on the brink of an NBA all-time record. From a time where last-second shots were expected. Here comes Kobe from way outside. Got it! Oh, man! Gets it to LeBron for three for the win. Yes! LeBron James! And rings were handed out like candy. Here's Jordan. It's Duncan Dynasty with your host, Garrett Bougay, and it starts right now. Welcome to another episode of Duncan Dynasty. I'm your host, Garrett Bougay, and with me I've got a very special guest. He's a sports business classroom alum, and he's also making his podcasting debut. His name is Abuka Ufandu. Abuka, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me on, Garrett. Now, uh, one of the things, you know, when we met in Vegas with the Sports Business Classroom, that was, uh, you know, again, last summer while the World Cup was going on, and there were a lot of instances where, uh, you know, there would be the games going on, and our whole class would kind of just huddle around a TV and watch the games. But uh, what have been your thoughts of, uh, of this soccer season, not only with, you know, the Premier League and that Liverpool-Manchester City championship going, uh, going down to the wire, but then uh, the Champions League as well, which we just got the first batch of uh, quarterfinal matches. Yeah, so like I told you in Sports Business Classroom, I'm a big soccer fan. I actually watched soccer way before I started watching basketball. Um, my team is Manchester United, so this season's a bit of a disaster for me. The two teams that I dislike the most, Liverpool and Manchester City, are competing for the title and could also possibly be competing for the Champions League as well in the finals, so... Yeah, not looking good. It's been interesting to watch, though. Like, for sure, as a neutral, like, watching these two teams, like, they're both, whoever loses is probably going to lose with the highest point total ever from a runner-up in the Premier League. So, I mean, from a neutral perspective, it's awesome to watch from a Manchester United perspective where you don't like Man City or Liverpool. It's kind of horrible to watch. But. Yeah, I can only imagine. I, uh, you know, I, I do watch it more as from the neutral perspective, although I have sort of, uh, I've tended to lean more towards hoping Liverpool can, can win it just because I, 
I uh, I almost look at Manchester City as like the New York Yankees of baseball where they just have an unlimited amount of money to spend whereas although Liverpool is one of the bigger clubs and and spend a decent amount of money they they have been a little bit more reserved and a little bit better in terms of uh you know not not spending just gargantuan sums for players and uh you know the the fact that Manchester City just has so much depth that it just almost feels unfair at times yeah, Liverpool is definitely the underdog, I guess, in that sense. But it's kind of funny that you say that because, well, most Manchester United fans, if they could pick, they'd pick Man City just because the rivalry with Liverpool has been going on much longer. That's sort of like the Lakers-Celtics rivalry in the Premier League. I think Liverpool has 18 titles and Man United has 20. So that's kind of like you don't want Liverpool to win the league. But at the same time, watching City win is pretty horrible too, so... It's tough. But I think most fans in England actually would prefer that City win. Liverpool is kind of a bigger club there. So, like, if you're an Arsenal or Chelsea or Tottenham fan or whatever, you most people are probably pulling for City, which yeah, kind of sucks. Like you said, they're almost not really a football club in a way, like, with the amount of, like, financial doping that the team has. But, yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it, it is interesting, especially yeah, given that Man City has has had plenty of success over the last five years as well. I think winning three titles in that time. But uh, you know, the going back to Manchester United, you said you're a fan of of them, and and they just uh, played a game against Barcelona. It was uh, it was actually a pretty impressive performance for Manchester United. They they controlled a lot of the possession in the second half, had some chances, but. Uh, you know, Lionel Messi with that brilliant pass to Suarez uh, early on in the ball game was enough to give Barca the the first leg advantage. Yeah, that's actually the first time that they've beaten Man United at their at Old Trafford at their home stadium. Um, I mean, to be honest, I wasn't expecting that United would be able to win that game. I was thinking probably best case scenario would be a draw. They had a few chances, like you said. Uh, I think the closest was Diogo Dallo had like a free header that he missed. But to be honest, um, I think most likely they're not going to be going through to the next round. The next game was in Barcelona, and Barcelona's going in with an advantage. They did get the upset last round after losing 2-0 in the first leg against PSG, but I don't think Messi and Suarez and company are going to give them that opportunity to come back. So we'll see. Not optimistic, but I'm hopeful. I guess. <laughs> yeah the uh, the the sports season right now it's probably the best time. You know, obviously March Madness just ended, but now we're got the the uh, the the Champions League quarterfinals, and of course the second legs are coming up next week. But then also, you know, uh, the the main reason I had you come on here was because the NBA playoffs are starting this weekend, and uh, we decided we were going to uh, do a little bit of an Eastern Conference breakdown. But but more specifically, because you are a a big Toronto Raptors fan. We we're going to break down the uh, the Toronto Orlando two seven matchup. So uh, first first question I had for you in regards to that first round tilt is wh- what were some of the things that you learned from uh, from some of the regular season matchups between the Raptors and Magic? So we played for our four games against them. Uh, the Raptors won both the matchups where Kawhi and Lowry played, and we lost the matchups where I believe we only had one of the two uh, top players on the team. Um, I guess one of the things I learned and one of the players I'm a little bit worried about was is Vucevic. 
Uh, the first game they they played against us, he killed us. He had 30, 19, and 8 on 71% true shooting. Um, now, I think the problem in terms of guarding him has been solved to an extent by the trade of Mar- for Marcus Gasol. Because basically we had our platoon before with Ibaka and Valanciunas, although Valanciunas actually missed both of those games. And Ibaka just doesn't have the size to match up with Vucevic in the post or in pick and roll. So I think as far as like the series goes, he's definitely a player that I'd be worried about for our team. Um, I guess also what I learned is Orlando... They're a very good defensive team. I think this season they're t- they were ranked eighth in defensive rating. They have a lot of long perimeter defenders, guys who can really frustrate Danny Green or Kawhi or even Lowry on the perimeter. They tried some things like uh, not guarding Lowry straight up with a point guard. They threw Evan Fournier at him. They threw uh, even Terrence Ross at him a little bit. He won't do. Uh, so, yeah, that, that actually is... Something that concerns me a little bit about their team. Like, if I could have chosen a matchup from those sort of teams that are sitting in that 6 to 10 range in the East, this would probably be the last one I'd pick. Just because out of those teams, they're the one that actually has, like, a significant strength, which is, like I said, their defense and the ability they have to, like, guard on the perimeter. And lots of these guys are very switchable from the 2 to 4 positions. So, yeah. Yeah, the... uh the, the the thing that struck me, I, I watched uh, their their most recent game, I believe from from April first, and and one of the things that that really stood out to me was the fact that Orlando's starting lineup I thought held up reasonably well against Toronto's starters, which I don't think a lot of teams can, and I think a lot of that comes down to the to the front court of the Magic. You know, Aaron Gordon has the size and strength I think to not get bullied by Kawhi, uh, which I think a lot of teams struggle to have that type of a player. Uh, and then you know you look at a guy like Jonathan Isaac, and and he seems to be kind of a uh, a perfect sort of uh, almost uh, athletic clone of uh, of Pascal Siakam. And then you mentioned you mentioned Vucevic, and and he's had just an incredible year, All Star, a uh, guy that can score it inside and out. Uh, I thought uh, a couple of the actions I thought that worked pretty well was was off ball actions in which Vooch set screens for Fournier, and Fournier would curl into the paint and. And again, the Raptors wouldn't want to switch that because you you don't want a smaller guy defending Vooch on the block. Yeah, exactly. Now, uh, I thought we would uh, we would kind of go back and forth in terms of you would you would kind of act as uh, as Nick Nurse, the Raptors head coach, and I would be Steve Clifford, uh, the head coach of the of the Magic, and we we'd go through some some sort of uh, strategic thoughts and and things that we would look out for in this series. Uh, so so the first thing uh, I'll ask you, Abuka, as uh, as Nick Nurse is. Uh, what uh, what opponent strengths of the of the Magic scare you the most? Uh, so actually, one of the strengths that they have that worries me actually counters one of our strengths. So one of the things we've been really good at this year is creating turnovers and getting out on the break. I think we're top ten in the league in fast break points and fast break efficiency. Uh, but the Magic they actually don't turn over the ball a lot. They like to play at a slow pace. And even taking that pace into consideration, they're a very low turnover team, which is usually rare for a younger team like the one they have. And I think that might cause us a little bit of an issue. Like, if we're not able to score consistently in the half court, and they're able to take away those easy buckets that we usually like to get in transition, it could be difficult for us to maintain uh, consistent offense throughout the series. 
Yeah, I think it's interesting. That's a really interesting point because, you know, guys like I think Kyle Lowry and Siakam, I think are both uh, much more well-suited for a fast-paced game. I think they're both really good in transition, Lowry with his passing and and, and Siakam with his hustle and uh, and speed and athleticism. And, and he's done a pretty good job of, of getting the rebound and taking it up the floor himself. Uh, so, yeah, Orlando, you know, surprisingly, again, you, you mentioned this earlier, eighth in, in defensive rating in the entire NBA. I don't think many people would think that. But uh, but they do a really good job, as you said, of limiting turnovers, getting back on defense, and also, you know, with that drop-back scheme that they implement, uh, you know, trying to give up the, le- the least efficient shots in the NBA, which are in the mid-range. Now, uh, now Kawhi, I think, you know, that's the that's the big thing, though, with, with this series. The, the, the Raptors, I think why many people think they are actually a contender this year compared to previous years, is in the half court in a playoff situation. You know, DeMar DeRozan really struggled, whereas Kawhi has a, has a history of, of being great in those scenarios. Yeah, it's interesting because Kawhi and DeRozan, like if you were to look at their shot chart, the, sh- the areas of the court that they like to score from are actually really similar. But Kawhi's a lot more efficient, and he's been able to show that in the playoffs he can still produce at that same level, if not a higher one. So it's going to be interesting to see this year sort of actually having a lead guy who can produce at the same level in the playoffs as he does in the regular season. Or if he's even able to do that. I mean, I would imagine he'd be able to, but uh, it's going to be a change for the Raptors because we've lacked that like true go-to scorer in the past four or five years in the playoffs, and every year it's made series that you would think the Raptors would have a clear advantage in very difficult or even resulted in them getting blown away like that 2015 series against the Wizards where they were swept with home court advantage. So, Well, and, and Kawhi is, you know, all season long, they, they've, uh, they've done the load management, giving him rest at various times. And, and I know in the playoffs there are no back-to-backs, but is there any concern that you have about uh, whether Kawhi can play and, and play hard and play heavy minutes night to night throughout this uh, what what could be a, a two month playoff run? So actually, just to talk a bit about the load management, what I've read a little bit is that the reason they're doing that is because the injury that he got while he was in San Antonio was actually degenerative and might get worse as his career goes on. So they're trying to basically slow down that process, which is why he sat out a ton of games this year and basically never played back-to-backs. But as far as him being healthy during the playoffs, I'm not worried about that. Like, in the games he did play, he looked fine, especially once we got past the first point of the season where he still looked a little bit rusty. He's looked like the same Kawhi Leonard uh, as his peak days in San Antonio, if not better. This is actually his highest-scoring season of his career. He's been super efficient, so... No, I don't think I'm too worried about uh, him from an injury perspective. Although, uh, one thing that might change a little bit is our starters are probably going to play more minutes than they have been considering it's the playoffs. So, we'll see what happens there in terms of will he be able to handle playing possibly 40 minutes a game in the playoffs. Right, and and you know you you mentioned Kawhi has has put up really great offensive numbers, especially compared to even his San Antonio days. I, I would definitely agree on the offensive end of the floor. I haven't seen peak defensive Kawhi this as much this year. You know he's still been a, a very much a plus on that end of the floor, but it'll be interesting to see not only with more minutes, but can he up the defense and and play at that defensive player of the year level like we've seen in the past. 
Yeah, that's that's a good point to bring up. Actually, he, he hasn't been in that elite category defensively this year. Although, I don't think this is a series where that's really going to get tested because Orlando doesn't exactly have that premier perimeter scorer. But I think if the Raptors were to make it to the next round and play a Philadelphia where he's going at possibly Ben Simmons or Jimmy Butler or Tobias Harris or eventually playing Giannis, that's where we're going to find out if Kawhi still that lockdown defensive player who was able to limit LeBron James in the finals a few years ago. So we'll see. Yeah, I, I for one can't wait to, to see the especially the second round looks uh, looks really really fun from uh, from a play East and West perspective, especially with Houston falling to four in the West and potentially matching up with with Golden State in round two. But uh, now talking from my perspective again as uh, as Steve Clifford and the Orlando Magic, uh, the the opponent strength that really scares me the most in in regards to to this two seven matchup is Toronto's bench depth. You know uh, they they've had pretty good depth throughout the years. Now uh, they they were able to uh, to add Marcus Saul at the deadline and uh, Jeremy Lin uh, via uh, the buyout market. Although Lin has has really struggled, especially shooting the basketball, which is a little bit concerning. Uh, but but you know when I when I look at my bench as uh, as the Orlando Magic, the only guy I really trust out there is Terrence Ross. Uh, you know, there's uh, there's guys like Michael Carter Williams, who is uh, is a horrible shooter. I don't really trust him to play too much in this series. Uh, and you know, Kem Birch, I think, is a solid backup center. But again, I, I imagine I'm going to be wanting to play Vucevic as many minutes as possible. So you know, beyond those guys, there is Wessa Wundu, who uh, you know is uh, is kind of hit or miss. So yeah, the that that's something that scares me. You know, when you compare that to what Toronto will have off the bench in this series, and Van Fleet, Ibaka, Ananobi. Powell, Lynn, you know, it, it is kind of a mismatch as far as the bench is concerned. Yeah, there, I, I don't really see anyone on that Orlando bench that I'm particularly worried, worried about besides Terrence Ross. He can get hot. I think he scored 29 against us in one of the games earlier this year. I think, I don't think he's a serious defining player, but he could definitely have one of those games where he goes like 7 for 10 from 3 and it ends up being the difference between a win and a loss. So, but other than that, yeah, there's not a lot of scary players on that Orlando bench. They're definitely going to have to ride their starters to stay in the game. Although, like you mentioned earlier, they actually showed in quite a few of these games that their starters could actually hang with the Raptors starters. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Now, uh, what what matchups really concern you? Now, you you obviously you mentioned uh, you mentioned Vucevic and, and him being an all star and, and a guy that, uh, that that gave the Raptors problems maybe before uh, before Gasol was was in there. But is there anybody else on the on the team that that really scares you? Uh, besides Vucevic, I wouldn't say there's a specific player that worries me. Uh, I think actually I'll, I'll talk about DJ Augustine a bit. He's now, I wouldn't say he's a player that scares me, but he actually has been really good this year. He's been super efficient on pick and roll. I think in the top 10, 15% of, uh, of players in the league, efficiency-wise. Um, and he's a very good shooter. Besides, and In addition to Augustine, they also have Ross and Fournier, who are also very good shooters. So I wouldn't say there's a specific player that worries me as a matchup. It's more the fact that they do have quite a few of these guys who can shoot the ball well, who could potentially get hot. Like they, Orlando has a, kind of a recipe that works well in the playoffs in the sense that 
like we talked about before, they have a lot of good perimeter defenders, and they also have like quite a few players who can shoot the three ball well, although, like you mentioned, those players aren't the players on the bench besides Terrence Ross. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, they're, it, I guess they kind of have that X factor as a team, but no, I wouldn't say there's a particular player that worries me. Their second best guy is probably either Gordon or Fournier, and I think we have the players to match up with those guys pretty well. Yeah, now now the guy I'll mention, the matchup that concerns me might surprise you a little bit, but that's Danny Green. Uh, and, and, and the reason he concerns me is there's not really uh, anywhere to hide DJ Augustine against this Raptors team uh, on the defensive end of the floor. And, and you mentioned that uh, putting Fournier on Lowry and showing Lowry a little bit more size was a little bit effective. And I think that's true, but at the same time, there also was the issue of Augustine then guarding Danny Green and and in that game I watched Danny Green went for 29 and was just shooting right over DJ Augustine because again Augustine a a very diminutive point guard Uh, so so that's something where I I don't really like Augustine on any of the Toronto starters and whoever he ends up guarding I think has a potential to go off yeah Danny Green's been taking advantage of teams that like teams that like to hide their point guard and put their two on Lowry because he takes them into the post as well sometimes, and he'll make some amazing passes to cutters, whether that's Kawhi or Siakam coming through the paint. So, yeah, that definitely should be a worrying thing for Orlando. Augustine's not going to be able to hide anywhere, at least when the starters are out there. Well, and, that, and that's the other thing. You mentioned how good Augustine has been on the offensive end. It would be nice if you know, if Orlando had a point guard that I could replace Augustine with if the defense was a problem. But, you know, you put in a guy like Michael Carter-Williams who has the size and and switchability to to guard multiple positions, but that just hurts their offense so drastically. Yeah, you need those shooters out there, otherwise Vucevic is going to have no room to operate. So uh, when when we uh, when we get into the kind of the nitty gritty here of like pick and roll coverage, uh, how how would you handle the, the the pick and roll situation when it comes to defending the Orlando Magic? Uh, so for me, it depends on what pick and roll uh, it is that we're covering. So if we're playing against a one five pick and roll, let's say between Augustine and Vucevic, I think what I'd want to do is uh, and what the Raptors actually have been doing from what I've seen is a uh, drop. So. The key here for me, and I think you brought this up before, is to basically make sure that we don't end up in a switch with Lowry guarding Vucevic or Danny Green, Danny Green guarding Vucevic because he's going to destroy those guys in inside. So uh, the drop and basically like a more conservative approach to the pick and roll coverage, just fight over the screen, try and stick with Augustine. And actually, another thing I would do is. Uh, like we mentioned with the Magic putting Fournier on Lowry, I'd actually want Danny Green on DJ Augustine because when he when so if we're gonna play that style of pick and roll with fighting over the screen and then the post player dropping dropping back in the pick and roll coverage, I'd want Danny Green to all to be in there instead of Lowry because he can at least frustrate Augustine uh, when he's chasing him from behind. So I think that's how I'd play the one five pick and roll. As for any other pick and roll, especially involving like a two four or two two three, I think we can just switch those between Kawhi, Danny Green, and Pascal Siakam. These guys can all guard basically one to four, so those aren't the pick and rolls that really worry me too much. I think a switch would work pretty well there. 
Yeah, the the Danny Green uh, guarding Augustine and, and contesting from behind, I, I really like that. Last week I did a uh, the Season Awards podcast with Evan Dial, and uh, I had Danny Green on my second team all defense. He's so good not only at contesting on the perimeter, but but uh, you know swiping the ball from behind to get steals, but then also blocking shots with his length. Uh, and and he's he's always persistent on the on the backside. So yeah, that's a really good call. I think that would give Augustine Augustine some issues. And and Lowry, you know, is is pretty good himself at, at snaking around screens. You know, with those uh, Fournier actions off the ball. Now uh, the 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 way I would uh, would handle the the pick and roll uh, of the of the Raptors as far as uh, as the Magic's defense. You know, they they've pretty consistently been a drop back scheme. So I'm pretty much going to to stick with that for the most part. Although one one of the differences is, you know, because of Kyle Lowry's sort of inconsistent play, one of the things I would do perhaps is, you know, and again, because the Magic are the underdogs in this series, they got to do some sort of out-of-the-box things uh, and, and hope some randomness uh, comes in their favor. I, I would go under the screens on Lowry at least at first and see if he's, uh, you know, if he has some of those playoff jitters and see see if he is going to beat us with that strategy. If he does knock down some shots, then I would still go over the top. But but the main thing in regards to, to Lowry and even Van Fleet, I think that's important in terms of defending Toronto's pick and roll, is is stopping that pocket pass to the big man. I'd make sure our, uh, you know, not only the, the guy guarding the ball, but the, the guy guarding the, the screener uh, is really active with their hands trying to get in that uh, that pocket pass, that alleyway, to prevent those, you know, Ibaka jump shots and those Marcus All pop threes. Yeah, that's interesting that you want to test Lowry like that. I, I mean, he has had issues in the playoffs in the past with, I don't know whether it's nerves or some people say it's injury. To be honest, my opinion is the fact that he knew he couldn't rely on basically the guy who our number one option is, which is DeRozan. Um, he's DeRozan's not actually able to perform at the level you'd want from a number one option in the playoffs. Whereas now, I think Lowry has a lot of guys that he can really depend on. Like, obviously, Kawhi, top five or six player in the league. Uh, you've got Danny Green, who's been to the NBA Finals before, won an NBA championship. And Pascal Siakam, who's arguably ahead of Lowry in the offensive pecking order right now. So I'm actually less worried about Lowry potentially having like a bad series or bad playoff uh, this year based off of that. And, yeah, I think it'd be interesting to see if the Magic tried actually going under screens and daring him to shoot. But at the same time, if he plays like how we know Kyle Lowry can play, that's going to be definitely a problem for Orlando, leaving Lowry open to shoot threes, especially off the dribble. But. Yeah, like I said, it would be something that I would maybe test out, and if he if he proves pretty early on that that's going to be a losing strategy, that I would I would go away from that. But but for me, the the, the biggest thing is just you know he he's done such a good job this year with his passing and getting everybody involved and and getting those bigs, especially Ibaka who has who has shot the heck out of the ball from the mid range. Just stopping those real simple pick and roll actions, I think, is is something that I would try to do. And and you know, even if uh, if he starts knocking down some shots, maybe go over the top and, and force him into the mid range as well as Van Fleet. And even you know, again, dropping the big back all the way to the rim and and just contest shots at the rim and and make them finish over contact. Now uh, the, the the next thing I uh, I thought was uh, was an interesting sort of question to to talk about and. 
is is kind of the the X factor. Who do you think is going to be a player on uh, you know that you as Nick Nurse would be worried about from Orlando, and, and if he has a big series, that that would concern you. Uh, so, I mean, obviously Vucevic is the player that you're worried about the most, but if you want to talk about an X factor, I think the guy I brought up before and the ex Toronto Raptor Terrence Ross. He's, he's been really good this year. I'm not exactly a six-man-of-the-year candidate because of how good Lou Williams has been, but he's been pretty good off the bench for them. And he's he's a microwave-type guy. Like He can get hot. He can score a lot of points in a hurry. He's also prone to have having really, really bad games as well. But I think if he has a good series, Orlando could potentially steal a game or two uh, based off of him just dropping 20, 25 points off the bench. I don't know if that's actually going to happen, but I think he'd be an X factor for them. He's he's a guy who could really make a difference if he plays really well off the bench and has a good shooting series and is able to play uh, very good defense. Yeah, you know, I, I always love those the possibilities of uh, of guys getting a little bit of a revenge on their their former teams, and uh, you know, he was a guy that uh, that played quite a few years in Toronto and and was decent for them off the bench, but uh, he was. He was shipped away, and uh, uh, it is fun to see how those guys, those sorts of players, how they respond to that situation. And, and some guys are able to, to play pretty well in, in that environment. But the, the X factor for me is Marc Gasol. You know, he's a guy that, again, you, you mentioned Vucevic is, is kind of the hub of Orlando's offense with his post play, his, his ability to, to pick and pop and knock down perimeter shots. And also, you know, Vuce is a, is a really talented passer as well. You know, if Marcus Saul can can kind of take away Vucevic's inside game, and uh, you know, almost play him to a draw, I don't think Orlando has much of a shot in this series. But if Vucevic is able to outplay Gasol significantly, I think Orlando has a chance to, as you said, maybe win a game or two. Now, yeah, for sure, it'll be interesting to see how Gasol is able to match up with him on the offensive end too. Like you said, like if he's giving back to Vucevic what he's giving. Orlando on the other end and canceling him out, that's going to be tough for Orlando to recover from because I can't see a combination of Gordon, Fournier, and Augustine outplaying Lowry, Green, Siakam, and Kawhi. So he's definitely going to have to outplay Marcus for Orlando to have any sort of chance in the series, like you said. Now, one of the things that uh, when I was looking over the bracket that I thought was really interesting, of course, Nick Nurse has gone with this center rotation with Gasol and Ibaka depending on the matchup. But but looking at uh, you know if things go the way they're supposed to in the playoffs, we could see Gasol starting every series for Toronto. You know the first round matchup against uh, Nikola Vucevic, second round uh, you know if Philly wins the the three six against Brooklyn, it would be against Embiid. Gasol would likely start there, and then uh, you know Brooke Lopez with Milwaukee in the Eastern Conference Finals, and then in the NBA Finals with Boogie Cousins. I, I just think that's so that's so interesting because I think Ibaka has. Uh, you know, for 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 most of the year, been the guy that uh, that 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 starts based on the matchups. Yeah, and I think that's why they went and got Marcus Solomon. I mean, one of the issues uh, which I brought up a little bit earlier with Ibaka is that against a bigger center, he has a lot of problems defensively and on the glass. But you can't just. I mean, Valanciunas spent a lot of this season being injured, but you can't just swap Valanciunas in there because. While he does match up well, like in a, against another big man in the post, he his pick and roll coverage is really bad. He can't switch at all, and having sort of those two problems 
kind of solved by having Gasol, who's a much smarter defensive player than Valanciunas, and despite the fact that he also isn't that mobile, is able to defend pick and roll much better just by using his defensive IQ. Uh, it's really solved a big problem for us. And like you said, yeah, we're seems like everybody that we could possibly match up with is playing a legitimate seven-footer at center. So Gasol's going to be able to start most of these series unless someone decides to change one of their, their matchups. But I can't see that happening with Milwaukee or Philly, given how well Lopez and Embiid have played for them this year. They're, I can't see them changing their lineups much. So yeah, Marc Gasol's probably going to be the starter for the entire playoffs, except possibly if we were to get to the finals and play Golden State, they might take Cousins out of the lineup and try something different with that, with uh, Draymond Green at center or something like that. But we'll see. Yeah, and, and, and in the event that you know Boston is able to get past Milwaukee, who do you like as far as uh, the guy to defend Al Horford? Do you like Gasol or Ibaka better in that matchup? I think I like Gasol better in that matchup. I don't think Horford has much that much of a speed advantage over Gasol that I'd be too worried about him beating him off the dribble or anything like that. And I think Gasol probably do just as good of a job as Ibaka would of contesting his threes and probably a better job of defending him in pick and roll. So, yeah, I definitely prefer Marc Gasol in that matchup against Boston. So uh, one, another question I think is pretty interesting, and it might not, uh, it probably won't come into play for, for the team that you're, you're discussing, but, uh, you know, we we've seen in in previous years with uh, you know Golden State getting down two one in the in the finals uh, against Cleveland in 2015 and and moving Iguodala into the starting lineup and, and going smaller. But I think a lot of teams when they get down in a series, especially after they've lost the second game and are basically halfway to elimination, you'll see some you'll see some adjustments and and some out of box thinking. Uh, so, so in the event that uh, the Toronto Raptors get down 0-2 in this series, and in, and in this case it would be losing their first two at home, what are uh, what are some of the major adjustments you might make as Nick Nurse to uh, to try to uh, change momentum? Uh, so, assuming that we survive the apocalypse that would happen in Toronto if we were down 2-0 <laughs> to Orlando, <laughs> um, I think what we'd probably try to do is maybe take Vucevic out of the game by playing Siakam at the five. But the problem with that is that's a lineup that we haven't really seen much this year. And I don't know if that's because Nurse doesn't like that lineup or if it's one of the lineups that he says he's been kind of saving for the playoffs. But it's possible we could decide to go with something like uh, Lowry, Green, uh, Kawhi, Van Vliet, and Siakam in the starting lineup and just try to, or even Ananobi instead of Van Vliet, and just try to run them off the floor and basically make it hard for Vucevic to stay out there defensively. Like, he can't cover Siakam, really, or any of those guys. So that might be an option to try and, like, change things up in the series. And it's actually been something the Raptors have done in the past is kind of go small when the series starts going bad. So maybe that would work. Hopefully we're not in that situation. That would be a big problem. Down two zero to Orlando. You're right. All of the uh, all of the concerns that they've had the last couple of seasons would be uh, would be back in the news, and everyone would be freaking out and panicking like they have every year. It seems like, <laughs> but uh, 
But yeah, the uh, that that is an interesting thing, and and yeah, I think with all the experimentation that Nick Nurse has done, it is surprising that he hasn't done the you know uh, Siakam at the five a little bit more, and there hasn't been a lot of Kawhi at the four either. And I imagine that would also happen if you, if you put Siakam at the five, Kawhi at the four, you can you can put out more perimeter players. And aside from you know Ibaka off the bench, a lot of the Raptors' depth is out on the perimeter. The, yeah, I think that might be one way to change the series up a little bit. The, uh, the the 0-2 series adjustment for me is Orlando, and again, it's it's more likely that this will actually happen. You know, heading home, I guess I wouldn't be as panicked since, uh, you know, again, the most, the, what's the quote, that uh, the series doesn't start until a team wins a game on the road. But uh, if I were, uh, you know, Steve Clifford and the Magic are down 0-2 in the series, uh, the, the, the one thing that I, that I would try to do is I would maybe even shrink my rotation even more. Uh, again, I, I talked earlier that I don't really trust the bench too much, so I might amp the starters' minutes up uh, uh, that much more. I would also probably try to, you know, if the offense was struggling, uh, you know, up the usage for uh, for Vucevic. You know, he's the he's the best offensive player on the team, and, and giving him the basketball and and trying to draw double teams and and uh, you know get the offense kick started by just uh, you know getting uh, feeding Vucevic more would be would be something. Uh, as far as the defensive adjustments, you know, if if Toronto's scoring pretty easily on on Orlando, uh, the, there isn't a lot that I can think of, and and I think a big part of it is is Gasol, you know. Whereas with in previous years, if it's Ibaka at center, uh, one of the things that I think has worked is you know trapping the likes of DeRozan and Lowry and and making Ibaka as a playmaker try to to make the right decision. But Gasol is such a good passer that 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 really isn't a great option anymore. No, and you can't even really give us different looks defensively either because most of these guys on the bench just don't produce enough offensively for them to be out there for a significant portion of the game. Right, and, and you know, uh, obviously I like the, the matchup of Gordon and Isaac on Kawhi, but switching other than just those two positions is probably untenable as well because you can't have Evan Fournier or DJ Augustine trying to defend Kawhi in isolation. That that would be a disaster. Yeah, that's not going to work out very well for you. <laughs> Now uh, let's uh, let's hear your. Uh, we, we've gone through basically all the questions I had on my list. What let's hear your uh, your series prediction for this one. Uh, so, do you want my uh, hopeful pick or my actual pick? I want your actual. All right. Uh, so my my pick would be four uh, one. Okay. So okay, Raptors in five. Yes, but I'm actually going to say that. It's going to be 1-1 heading back to Orlando. I think the Raptors are going to lose the second game of the series, and people are going to be upset. Uh, deserve it. <laughs> uh, I, I think people are going to be a little bit upset after that that second game. I do think we'll lose at least one game to Orlando, though, in this series. I, the Raptors have actually never swept a team before in the playoffs, and I I wish it would happen, and that was my homer pick was uh, 4-0, but... No, I think it's going to be a 4-1 series, and some of the games will be really close, too. I don't think we're going to blow them away. Yeah, I uh, I agree with you. I also picked Toronto in five, and, and again, I think Orlando is just a little bit better of a team than people are realizing. You know, the, I, I get that they're the seventh seed, they're a 42-40 and 40 basketball team, but ever since Mo Bamba got hurt and they inserted uh, Birch into the backup center position, 
they've uh, they've been a, a very much a plus basketball team in terms of the the net rating. I think it's it's close to four or five. So you know they're they're a solid team. They're as we mentioned, top ten in the NBA in defense. They're going to make things difficult. There are some some matchups, especially in terms of uh, making the games a little bit more of a uh, a grinded out affair that I think favor Orlando. But uh, in the end, I think Toronto's bench. I think Kawhi Leonard, uh, you know, is definitely the best player in the series. I think Toronto's just going to have a little bit too much, too much for the Magic. Is there uh, is there any other thoughts that uh, that you have, whether that be another player that we haven't talked a lot about, or uh, you know, some some other strategies that uh, that we didn't mention that uh, that you felt like we needed to discuss? Um, I guess this is just more of a thing for me, but I'm actually interested to see. Uh, I guess throughout the season, Nick Nurse has kind of been talking about or hinting at different lineups and different things that he hasn't tried during the season that we might see in the playoffs. Uh, one thing that I personally want to see is actually, I want to see our uh, rotation shortened a little bit. One area where the Raptors have kind of got killed in some games this season is where we play this all bench lineup, which actually last year was like famously one of our best lineups, but this year hasn't been nearly as good. So I'd like to see the rotation actually shortened a bit to, Eight guys, our five starters, and then uh, Van Fleet, Powell, and Ibaka, and possibly also Ananobi as well. So a, a nine-man rotation. But I, I don't want to see like too much of the all-bench lineups playing. I think that's that would just be an opportunity to give Orlando a better chance to get back in the series. So I'd like to see like at least one of Lowry and, and Kawhi out there for the entire 48 minutes if possible although I doubt that's going to happen based on what we've seen throughout the season so so what's your thoughts about uh, about Jeremy Lin you know he uh, when, when they initially signed him I was pretty excited about that for the Raptors given that uh, he's a guy that has shown in the past you know when he played with uh, with Charlotte and Kemba Walker that he can initiate the offense at times but also can play off the ball but that three-point shot just has not fallen what uh, what do you think has been the, the major issue with Lynn and Toronto? Yeah, I'm not, to be honest, I'm not really sure, but I don't expect him to play a lot in the playoffs. Uh, I think part of the reason for signing him was also due to the fact that Van Vliet wasn't totally healthy and just to have a backup point guard, especially considering that Lowry was had, like, like Kawhi, has also sat out like quite a few games this year. Um, I think in the playoffs, he likely won't get a ton of playing time. I'm uh, not sure exactly why he's had trouble shooting the ball in Toronto. I don't think we're doing anything particularly different that would put him at a disadvantage. So it's, it's been kind of strange. It's been unexpected. Like A lot of people actually thought that he'd push Van Vliet a little bit for those backup point guard minutes, but Van Vliet's shown clearly like that he's the better player. So it's going to be tough for Lynn to get any kind of playing time in these series, unless Lowry or or Van Vliet have a really bad series and he has to be inserted or something like that. Well, yeah, and I think Powell playing a little bit better this season than he did last year has has also kind of pushed Lynn uh, to the outskirts of the rotation, given that Powell also is a is a much more uh, uh, you know physical, solid defender than than Lynn is as well. Uh, let's move on to uh, to some of the uh, the other series. We'll just briefly talk about these and, and give our our predictions. Uh, but uh, the the one eight matchup, Milwaukee versus Detroit. Uh, what are your thoughts about about that series? 
Uh, so from what I understand, Blake Griffin's not totally healthy, right? I, I don't see that series being very competitive at all. And I actually wanted the Detroit matchup because of the opportunity to play against Dwayne Casey. And despite losing every game to them in the regular season, I actually expect expected the Raptors would have blown them away in the playoffs. But yeah, I think Milwaukee will end up doing that, and that series is not going to be competitive at all. Yeah, it would be really fun if Blake were 100% to see Blake versus Giannis go at it, and uh, you know Andre Drummond can ca- cause some teams some problems on the glass. But but uh, but yeah, with Blake uh, uh, looking like he's not going to be 100%, he he missed uh, I, I believe it was three games, then came back and and tweaked his knee, and then wasn't even playing in their final game, which was a must must win to get into the playoffs. Uh, so, so yeah, with, with a, uh, with a unhealthy Blake Griffin, I, I think this is going to be a sweep. Is, is that what you feel like as well? Yeah, I would go with the sweep as well. All right. So what about the, uh, the three, six matchup between, uh, Philadelphia and, uh, and the Brooklyn Nets? Uh, for that matchup, I think it'll be a little bit more competitive than the one eight matchup, but for me, Philadelphia is a much stronger team than Brooklyn and, uh, while the Nets have been a ton of fun to watch and everyone's enjoyed watching D'Angelo Russell go off, I, I I just don't see them being able to put up much of a fight against Philly. Their start, the Philadelphia 76ers starting lineup is just extremely strong, arguably the strongest in the Eastern Conference, if you're just talking about from a pure talent perspective. So that series, I'll say, you know, you know what, let me say I'll give the Nets a game in that one. So a five five-game series for Philly. Even in the event, you know, there's been uh, talk that Embiid might miss uh, game one of that series, and, and who knows, perhaps more than that. Does, does that concern you at all as uh, as uh, Philadelphia, or do you think that uh, the, that the Sixers will, will win that series relatively easily, even without Embiid? Yeah, I still don't think they'll have very much trouble beating the Nets, even, even with Embiid missing a game or two. Interesting. I... Uh, I kind of disagree with you. I think I think Embiid is the is the difference maker for me. I mean, Brooklyn certainly has has nobody that can defend Embiid. Uh, you know, Jared Allen. I like him. He's a nice young center, but he's he's way too thin. Doesn't have the strength to to deal with Embiid. And, and Embiid kind of uh, you know opens everything up for for everybody else out there on the floor. But if he's not out there, you know the the fact that Philadelphia does not have much depth concerns me, and and especially you know they don't have much depth even when Embiid is healthy, let alone when he's not out there. And you know the the Brooklyn Nets have uh, some perimeter talent. You mentioned D'Angelo Russell, but but uh, I think their best point guard is Spencer Dinwiddie. I think he's a guy that uh, will succeed in the playoffs. He's a good isolation scorer at six six at, uh, at the point guard spot. And Karis LeVert is starting to look like uh, the, the player he was prior to that horrific injury he suffered early in the season. Joe Harris, you know, a, a really good three-point shooter. And they've got a lot of depth. You know, you, you talk about the, the challenge of defending Philly, especially those wings in, in Butler, Simmons, and Harris. Uh, but but Brooklyn has some guys, you know, in, with the likes of Travion Graham and and Damari Carroll and uh, Rodians Karuks that uh, that I think can can stand their ground. So how how well do you think Brooklyn's going to do in the series? I think so, it's going six, and and that's okay. that's making the assumption that Embiid misses the first or second game, and Brooklyn can steal one of the first two. That's that's where I'm going with that. But. Uh, but yeah, I think it's going to be more competitive than people think. Now, if Embiid is is out there game one and is and is playing, 
at a hundred percent, certainly I could I could see a sweep happening. You know, it, it just I think it all it all comes down to to Embiid's health. Interesting. Now uh, the the other series uh, now of course on Wednesday I did uh, with Evan Dial I did I broke down the uh, the Indiana Boston series so I won't bore the people listening with my thoughts on that again they can easily go back and, and hear what I what I had to say about that series on that episode but uh, I I was curious what your thoughts were on that uh, four or five matchup in the East. Uh, so Marcus Smart is out. I'm not sure if he's out for the entire playoffs, but he's definitely out for at least the first couple games of that series. I think he's out for the first two rounds. I think it's a four to six week injury, an oblique strain. Okay, yeah. So um, I would I would say Indiana will make that series interesting. I think I don't think they're just going to get blown away by Boston. Um, I think that I can see that one going to six games, possibly even seven games. To be honest with you. Like, Indiana is a very strong team. They play really good defense, one of the best defensive teams in the league. And they've been able to hang in and around that four or five spot for the entire season, even with Oladipo out. And to be honest, if they had Oladipo, I'd probably pick them to win this series. So uh, I haven't really seen a lot from Boston this year that makes me think that they're at the same level as Milwaukee and Toronto. So... No, I could see Indiana definitely giving them a lot of trouble in this series, and I'd say I'd go I'd go with six for my prediction, but I could definitely see it going seven games. Yeah, I um, when when Evan and I did our podcast, that was before the news about Marcus Smart, and uh, you know I I originally predicted Boston in five if they had home court, but with this Smart injury, you know he's the best guy that they have to guard, uh, you know Boyan Bogdanovich. Uh, so, so I'm going to push that to say and, and agree with you here that I, I think it's going to be Boston in six. I think it's going to be a really competitive series. I think Bogdanovich, without Smart out there, it has the has the ability to to put up 20 to 25 points a game in this series. Uh, and you know, as you said, the the Pacers' defense is always going to make things pretty difficult. But uh, Abuka, thank you so much for uh, for coming on and doing this. This was a lot of fun. Thank you very much for having me on. First time doing a podcast, so it was a great experience. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to Duncan Dynasty. Uh, if you'd like to support the show, you can uh, you can subscribe to the program on iTunes. If you can leave a, uh, a rating and review, that would be greatly appreciated as well. Uh, the show is also now on Spotify. Uh, if you can uh, give the show a follow, again, a rating on there, uh, that, uh, that really helps a lot. If uh, if you've got any uh, questions or comments or, uh, or ideas for, uh, for future episodes, uh, you can contact me. Uh, on Twitter, at Garrett Bouguet, and also uh, my email is g-bouguet at onu.edu. So uh, feel free to, uh, to uh, give me any of your uh, ideas. I, I love to hear from, uh, from the people listening to the program. And uh, enjoy the next week of the NBA calendar, and uh, have a great rest of your day. Leftovers or... The DMV, number 97, or house cleaning, or Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. We're prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. 
But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of Ookla speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details.